0: There are certain moments and words that shaped a new era in pro wrestling.
1: Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass."
0: Brett screwed Brett. Die, Rocky die. Introducing the Book of Wrestling, 25 catchphrases that explain the Attitude Era. Tune in as we relive one of the most exciting, intense, and over-the-top times in WWE with new interviews with the voices that made the promos, calls, and catchphrases into history. Listen now.
1: what's up everybody you are listening to the ringers new nba pod off guard my name is pasha and i'm joined by my good friend shooting guard for the minnesota timberwolves austin rivers austin i'm excited to get this thing going man how are you
2: my boy what's up man this is uh i don't know i i I don't want to say a dream come true but this is kind of a dream come true just considering how many times me and you have talked to basketball over the years and really just went somewhere grabbed a bite to eat and talked basketball for like three or four hours so now that we're actually getting a platform and a kind of a stage of whatnot to come on here and talk basketball and have people listen to us man this is um this is going to be really special i'm really excited for this bro
1: yeah and most of those conversations we've had were maybe in front of a tropical smoothie or a blaze <laughs> yep. pizza yep
2: yeah blaze pizza tropical smoothie yeah
1: and i've always uh, appreciated your takes and your perspective so i'm excited for everyone to sort of hear what you have to say about you know everything going on in the NBA yeah
2: man I've I've um I've kind of dabbled a little bit in the podcast world but never like this um you know I really wanted to take this on you know full force um and and not just get my opinion out there but really you know just the perspective of uh you know where I've come from and and been in, being around a game really since birth um I just feel like uh You know, there's experiences and and knowledge there that I would like to share with people, uh, especially people who are lovers of the game of basketball, not just NBA, but just all forms of basketball. You know, we're going to talk about it here on the podcast. We're going to have a variety of different guests, all different walks of life, different topics. So, just to be able for us to uh, share these experiences, you know, share what it's like. Uh, Obviously, you know what it's like. You know, you're best friends with someone who's in the NBA, Chandler Parsons. You've been around the game for a while. Obviously, me coming from where my dad is. Uh, my family is and being in the NBA being on the variety of teams that I've been with playing with the stars I've played with uh, having my own moments myself you know I feel like there's so much that we can talk about and put on this podcast um, that I think people will really enjoy listening to so this is gonna be fun man I can't wait
1: let's do it Uh, unfortunately we're gonna have to start with uh, you you guys had a tough game last night you were in Detroit (laughs) we're going right into it all right let's go. Yeah, last night you, uh, you guys had a tough loss in Detroit. You were missing some key guys. Uh, and after the game, you talked a little bit about how uh, Detroit players kind of sort of outworked you guys. Uh, if you want to yeah. kind of get into, expound on that a little bit.
2: Yeah, you know, right now uh, uh, an Achilles heel of ours, and I think of a lot of teams you'll see in the NBA, is how well do you play versus underperforming teams? You know, uh, if we played the... Whoever, man, Chicago Bulls, Boston Celtics last night. I'm not saying we win that game, but the effort and discipline, I think, is there. It sometimes for us, I'll speak personally, just for our team with Minnesota, this year a big thing for us has been being consistent. And where that shows or where that doesn't show, I guess is a better way to put it, is when we play a team like we did last night, you know, the D- Detroit Pistons, they're in a the rebuild process. Um you know, it just wasn't there. And then you end up losing these games. And these are the games that are going to come back and hopefully not, you know, uh, but these are the games that bother you. And at the end of the season, when you're like a game or two away from the play-in or out of the play-in or trying to be in the playoffs and you think back and you think about how we were 0-2 this year versus Detroit, um, you know, those are the things that could haunt you. So we got to make sure we we don't let that creep in.
1: Yeah, and I don't know how much you, you watch uh, basketball or, you know, keep up with, you know the standings and everything like that, or what other teams are doing. But just when you uh, think you figured a team out uh, and think they're in a rhythm, they'll they'll have some kind of a head scratching loss. And yeah, you you really don't know what to expect. And you know, no team's really gotten to you know gotten to a good flow this year. Does do you do you feel any relief? You know, seeing other teams, um, kind of how no other team has been able to get into a rhythm, and how you know. The standings are all you know separated one through even ten in the West, you know, by a few games.
2: Yeah, you know, for for, for us, um, you know, there's been, you know, misery loves company. You know, I'm not gonna lie to you; it is kind of always um, reassuring when you when you look at the standings and you see the whole Western Conference is kind of going through the same thing we're going through. I mean, as bad as we played, we're three to four games out from being in the you know fourth or fifth spot. Do you know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, we're almost there. And, uh, you know, for us, we just got to keep, you know, keep a hindsight that we're four or five games away from being right in the bunch. You know what I mean? We, we just have to stay with it, stay positive. Um, everybody is going through the same thing. We've dealt with a lot of injuries this year. Um, we've had different, a whole different team makeup. Obviously, I wasn't here last year in Minnesota, but comparing to last year, obviously adding Rudy, myself, Kyle, you know, the personnel changes have been there, um, but we're 40 games into the season now. We've got enough games under our belt where we got to start kind of coming up with an identity and uh, putting something together. I do believe we'll be in the playoffs this year. I have no doubt in my mind that this team will be in the playoffs. Um, it's just a really up and down season. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's just the way it goes, but it's about hitting stride at the right time. You see it a lot of time in college basketball. You'll see teams be subpar the whole season, and then they'll hit stride in the tournament and like just make a run and win. You know what I mean, and <clears throat> you saw Dallas go to the conference finals, you know, a year or so ago. No one thought that was going to happen, right? Anything's possible, uh, especially when you get to that race. And we have plenty of talent here, so we just got to stay the state of state of course, man.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned how it's already halfway through the year, and you're you're trying to figure out an identity, but you're doing it without, you know, arguably your your best player in, uh, yeah, Cat. So him being out, um, it, it's hard to see, you know, what it would look like when him and Rudy finally maybe gel. Um, so you' you're trying to figure that out with guys missing. and you know you guys got a lot of new players this year. so it, it, it's tough, you know, for you guys to do that,
2: yeah, it's it's been it's been it's been an adjustment, man. Um, you know, obviously having Carl out uh, has been very difficult for us, uh, just considering you know, he's a big part of our offense man. Uh, and we we rely on Carl in a lot of ways, especially I mean, on both ends, but obviously mainly offensive um. And that was a whole adjustment, man. Like, do you remember the beginning of the year? Like, what it was like when we had Rudy and Carl out there at the same time? You know what I mean? Like, we still were trying to figure that out. And then Carl goes down. So then we had to figure out who we were without Carl. Uh, Last night, Ant's been kind of out the last... He's been in and out the last couple games. He's dealing with some stuff. Um, You know, it's just been that type of season. But at the end of the day, you know, nobody cares. Nobody feels bad for us. Cause if you look across the board at a lot of the top teams in the West, they're going through the same thing. You see the Warriors going through it right now without their best player. You know, you've seen the Phoenix go through it with their better players. You know what I mean? It's just, it's kind of all around right now. And that's why you're, you, you know, you see in the Western conference, you see the Kings, the jazz, the whoever, you know, these guys are playing good basketball credit deserved, but you're seeing a lot of these higher tiered teams kind of out of the race. Um, with only 40 games, I think this is going to conclude to be one of the more exciting ends of this regular season that you've ever seen. Because um, you're going to see a lot of top-tier teams trying to play their best basketball in these last 30, 40 games to make the playoffs. It's going to be very exciting, I think, for fans to watch and enjoy.
1: Yeah, and if the standings stay uh, as close as they are, playoff seeding is not going to mean as much. It's with, not going know, to mean anything. You know, For it's example, not. a one in versus eight or you know, two versus seven seed. If they're separated by three or four games, you, you could see a lot of upsets this year. There could be a lot more upsets than years past because these teams are actually a lot more even um, th- record-wise than you know, the season. And I do so. think this is a
2: product of the play-in game. I, this is you know my belief. I'm not saying I'm I'm right or wrong, but actually I am saying it. I, I, <laughs> I believe I'm right in this case, but uh, I think the play-in has allowed teams to sit guys. It's allowed the regular season to mean less. You know, teams can be like, "Hey, man, listen, we'll go be a ninth seed or tenth seed and still get in the playoffs." I personally can't stand the play in. I really don't like it. If you want to be in the playoffs, then be in the top eight seed. It, it it makes the regular season more important. It it makes it makes guys not sit out games, the the load management, all that stuff. I, I, this play in thing, I, I just I'm not a big fan of it. I mean, it is what it is. It does give. I mean, listen, if we end up the tenth seed, then I'll have to eat my words because that that'll end up being a a great thing for us this year, but honestly, I'm just, I, I'm I'm with the assumption that like, the way it worked in the previous 50 years of the NBA is the it was the right way. If you, you want to make the playoffs, be a top eight seed.
1: So I'm gonna disagree with you on one. Maybe 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 I'll have two points here to disagree with you with. Um, the first being the Pelicans, for example, last year were a nine seed, I believe, and. They wouldn't have made the playoffs without the play-in. They ended up winning and getting into the play, getting into the playoffs through the play-in, and they ended up playing the Suns. And it ended up being a super entertaining series, going toe to toe with the one seed. Um, they went six games. It was really close. You know, we had the Alvarado versus Chris Paul thing, and awesome series. And they ended up building that, taking that momentum, finishing that year, and kind of catapulting it into this year. Where, you know, they've had a great year and they're, you know, one of the top teams in the West. And I think that's due to the momentum that started off at the end of last year, which they wouldn't have made the playoffs without the play in. Another point I wanted to make was the your Minnesota Timberwolves last year, they won their play-in game and you know, they got into the playoffs and they celebrated that like they won a championship. And I thought that was great for the fans.
2: I don't I don't want any I don't I don't want to I don't yeah, I don't want any parts of that. That that was ridiculous. <laughs> it was on the home floor that was that was a starving fan base they've talked about that this year like 10 times about how excessive their celebration was and how they just even they look back now and they're like that was a little that was a little much you know what i'm saying like that that was a little much but but you know what though you know uh passion wins all you know what i mean and the team last year i thought the the you know catalyst of that was obviously patrick and um he gave them an identity in terms of them kind of being the underdog, like you said, a New Orleans type. They played hard. They were able to surprise. They beat the Clippers, his ex-team too, which is why he was so passionate. Um, and they went to the playoffs. I mean, listen, I, I don't want to say like I, I hate the play-in. I get it. I get why they do it. It does also uh, give teams that are, you know, the seven through 11, usually those teams that are tanking, it gives them, or not a 7th seed, but you get what I'm saying, it gives those teams an incentive to still play basketball the right way and still play hard and give fans a good product in terms of like competitive basketball out there, not just like bad, bad basketball. You know what I mean? Like what you would see in previous years. So I I get the play and I just, I I, I don't know, man, I'm, I'm kind of unflinching and unwavering in this, in this belief that like, I just would rather have best eight teams go on each side and you go to the playoffs, man. It's just, it's how it is in any other sport. you know, for the most part, you know, you, you, Make the playoffs. I guess is it is it, is it playing a wild card game? Like what is that? Is that kind of what it is?
1: Well, it's a it's kind of a four team playoff that figures out who's going to play the one in the two seat between seven and ten. And did they say they're going to do like a mid season something
2: now? What, what 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 is that?
1: Well, also you know as you know I'm a I'm a diehard Orlando Magic fan and uh, we have put together you know some wins recently, especially since uh, Markel Fultz has you know come right. to the lineup. And you know now all the you know Magic Twitter after every game you know we're saying. You know, we're we're three and a half games out of the playing. We're four games out of the playing, and yeah, are we also maybe four games out of the worst record in the NBA? You know, that's potentially, but we are. You know, it's something for like a fan base, like you know, Orlando's, for example, to say you know, we're, <laughs> yeah, right. we're three and a half four right. games out of the playing. You know, maybe we won't tank. Like we're actually, yeah. we could make maybe make some noise. You know, so.
2: I guess I should I, I shouldn't be I shouldn't be talking right now, considering that we're like in the, literally in the tenth spot right now or eleventh spot, wherever we're at. We're like hunting in the play-in, so I guess if you end up.
1: I gotta be getting in the play-in and sneaking into the playoffs. Oh yeah. You're gonna this you're is gonna, gonna end up loving the play-in. Yeah, you're probably right. Uh, so last night, you know, you got to see, you know, Detroit and you know their young core, and they're one of those maybe four to you know four or five teams that have a good young core with you know multiple high draft picks in the NBA. How do you rank? I don't know. If Cade's been out, um, but how do you rank? their, you know, their young core, you know, versus the others, you know, like maybe out of OKC, Orlando, Houston, uh, we'll even throw like San Antonio in there, for example. Um, how do you, how do you rank their, how do you rank their young core?
2: I think in terms of which core plays the right way consistently in terms of young basketball, I'd probably have to go with OKC. I, am I'm, I'm mostly impressed with their, with their young core They, they play hard, they play the right way. Um, they would be number one for me
1: um, and by the way that's, that's without Chet and uh, I liked what I saw from him in Summer League and yes exactly you know, he, that he could have been that you know, is, an impact rookie this year
2: that is without Chet but I, I like Giddy I like his game um, obviously I don't have to say anything about Shea everybody knows what his is the biggest question with Shea is timeline by the time Chet is going and Giddy's going this is two three years from now you know Again, Shay isn't that young Shay isn't that old. He's only what, 24, 23, 24. So now he's 26, 27. Does he fit in that timeline with this team or is he a year or two years too? I don't want to say late because he's still so young. But like
1: Well, the answer to that is do you think Shay's game is going to age well? Because yes. he's already reaching a yes. superstar level yes. now yes. when he's 30 and these other guys are, you know, in their early twenties or you know, mid-20s. Uh, I don't see why not, why he would, wouldn't be a part of the, uh, you know, their core.
2: I think Shea's going to be dominant in the NBA until he's like 34, 35. I really do believe that. His game is going to age very well. It, it already looks like he plays at that pace. He's not like driving down the lane, jumping in the air, you know, uh, dunking on people or falling to the ground hard. Like Those guys' careers usually don't, don't pan out too well in terms of longevity. Shea's game is all skill work patience you know guys like him and luca like bro they're gonna be good for a long time so i guess that answers the question right there he might be a little bit older than those guys but he'll fit in just nicely he's got to be the core piece he's the best part of the team um i like them first second i think there's a long, sorry i think there's a, a a long gap between okc and the next young team doing it right
1: so a long gap between them and orlando who should be your second pick
2: yes yes i'd probably put orlando too I, I like, I like, uh, Paolo. I like, uh, Franz. Uh, I love the bull, bull pickup. Um, I love what Mobley's been able to do with him in terms of just letting him go and just like kind of yeah, yeah coach Mosley. Yeah. Coach Mosley's really just let him just go, man. Like just really just, you know, let him be Bow you know what I mean? And, and, you know, accept him for who he is and really like believe in his ability, his freakish like ability. You know, I think he's done a good job there. We were his
1: teammate in denver uh and you yes. did you see that ability in practice
2: yes he was dominant in um uh we had training camp he was dominant and then just didn't play a lick just i mean just couldn't even get a minute it was very strange um but from what i've seen and i've been on that side too i've been in on teams where i have performed well practice after practice training camp and it's just like the coach is just like you know <clears throat> at the end of the day man like NBA is similar to to like any business in life, man. It's relationships. It's it's getting along with somebody. It's understanding somebody. And human nature is said to be that if that's not going well, you're not going to like somebody. And if, it's, if you don't like somebody, it's hard to believe in them. You know what I mean? Like that's just – and I'm not going to speak for anybody in that situation with Bobo or anybody, but it just seemed like he couldn't do anything to really get on the court, and that's not something you ever want to see a player in. And there's no coincidence he goes to the one team right after Denver and starts playing well. It's not like he dramatically got better over the summer. You know, he got an opportunity. Um, an opportunity is everything in the NBA. So I'm glad to see him down there doing his thing. Uh, I like Orlando's team. I like the talent of Houston's young team. Let, let me just say that. They just need... Um,
1: and we're going to get into the quote you had about uh, Houston and something you know along the lines... I know it was taken out of context, but something along the lines of them needing a vet to come in and kind of teach Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. how to play the right way.
2: Yeah, I think they need more vets is what I really meant to say. I I stand by what I said, to be completely honest, that they do need vets. But Eric, I think, also has been there for such a long time. Um, And he's also in a situation where a lot of playoff teams are looking for him. I think you'll see Eric Gordon on like a prime team here in the next year or two. So I don't even know if that's the fit. You know what I mean? Not saying that Eric Gordon's not capable of doing that because – Eric's like a stud of a basketball player. He's, you know, this is the guy that I used to actually look up to when I was in high school, middle school. I used to watch Eric Gordon tapes. I've always been a fan of his game. Uh, but situations everything. I think where he's at in his career right now, he's trying to go somewhere and win, you know, similar to what I am trying to do, go to like a young competing team. I think even more so than him. He's like 30 what? Eric's like 32. Like
1: yeah, he Eric's got to be 34 if he was I think his yeah. high school class of 07.
2: Yeah, 33, 34. So like I know he's trying to get to like uh, you know, a big time team, right? uh so it takes a special type of vet and a timing vet it's got to be a guy who's like you got to understand the road of being on a team that has young core like a young core like when your best players are 21 22 19 20 it is not going to be like this it is not going to be like a scaling up trajectory like it's going to be an up and down season people ask "Well, what's going on in minnesota our best players are 20 years old 21 years old 23 years old like bro this is what this is what it is like it's, there's a learning curve, man. Especially when there's so much asked of these guys. There's a learning curve. So, I think Houston needs to surround their young talent. I like KPJ. Um, I like uh, I like Jalen Green's talent. You know what I mean? They have I like Kenyon Martin Jr.'s talent. They, they're talented. They're athletic. They just need guys that can just really show them how to be uh, uh, even better of professionals on the court and off the court. You know what I mean? And those things are translate to to a better positivity, a better energy in the organization, and more wins.
1: You were obviously once in their situation, uh, you know, one-and-done guy, a uh, 19-year-old in the NBA, I and mean, you've played with a lot of, you know, future Hall of Famers, a lot of great vets. Who were the, who was the vet or vets uh, that kind of helped you become, you know, a better professional, a better player?
2: Oh, um, man, I've had, I've been very lucky to have multiple. Um, I, I'd say Jamal Crawford was a big, big deal for me um, on the court-wise. Uh, just in terms of really getting to, you know, getting to my bag, trusting my work. You know what I mean? Um, understanding, you know, not to ease into a game, especially coming off the bench. You know, you talk about a guy who perfected coming off the bench. You know, the, the Sixth Man of the Year award, by the way, should be called the Jamal Crawford Award, but that's a different conversation for another time. Uh, that guy was, um, you know, everything that I was trying to be. You know, coming off the bench for that Clippers team that was loaded. And uh, he taught me really how to just trust my work after coming out of New Orleans, not really having the highest of confidence after that stint didn't go well. Being a lottery pick, you know, I was really down on myself. And now I'm playing for my father in L.A. and I'm dealing with all this like negativity and all this stuff. You know, Jamal really taught me how to breathe and relax and just go out there and trust your game and let everything else kind of fall in place. So he was the biggest for me. And then uh, another person who was big was not a player. It was, it was, you know, I, it was Sam Cassell. Uh, and my father, I'm going to keep it 100 with you. You know what I mean? I played for a coach, my dad and Sam Cassell, who should be a head coach at some point here in the near future because he's over-deserved, um, well-deserved uh, of a coaching job. And these guys taught me how to just trust myself. Man, they believed in me. Go play. Go hoop. You know, We saw you in high school. We saw you in college. We've seen you at spurts in the NBA. And that's where kind of my NBA career took off. You know, opportunity is everything in the NBA. Having a coach that believes in you and trusts you and gives you gives you a little bit of rope, to go out there and make mistakes, to let you roll the ball out there and play, that is everything. And I had to learn that. I didn't learn that in New Orleans. I wasn't given that. I got everything kind of stripped from me there. Um, and it, it was a real big step back for me. So when I got to Los Angeles, I think it was just, it was paramount that I listened to these vets who were already successful. JJ Reddick, Jamal Crawford, Chris Paul. You know what I mean? Like these guys were like studs. You know what I mean? And I'm surrounded by all these guys with kind of no makeup of my own. Um, I just got to learn from them. I just watched them. I watched JJ. I watched I watched CP3. I watched how they approached every day. How they, how they were professional. How they dressed. How they, how, how they did their interviews. How they, what they ate. You know, how, what time they got to practice. What time they got to the arena. How they watched film. Did they watch film in the plane or were they watching movies? Like, dudes who are like at the highest level. There's a reason why they're at the highest level. You know, they do things the right way. And it took me time to learn that. And then after a while, you know, I finally got it.
1: Uh, back to that Houston team that you played the other day. Uh, Anthony Edwards, after the game, kind of made a comment about how shang is, you know, he's a, he's the one that was kind of hard to game plan for and how he's a problem. And actually, about a month ago, Nikola Jokic um, said something kind of to that effect, saying they should play through him. And I kind of thought that would be, that was him just kind of getting another international big man's, you know, back, you know, a young player. Um So, when Anthony Edwards kind of said the same thing, uh, is that something that you kind of agree with, that they should be kind of playing through him?
2: He's really good, man. Like, he's very, he's highly skilled. He's super skilled, man.
1: He was a a chic pick coming into the draft a couple years ago. Uh, Like, numbers guys, analytics guys loved him. Uh, I'm actually surprised, like, OKC or San Antonio didn't pick him up. Yeah, right,
2: right, right, yeah, right. He's he's good. Every time we play him and he scores, like, our bench will just, like, look at each other. And guys would just be like, "Yo, the dude has game, bro! Like, he has feel. He he, super skilled in the post. Um, he get imp- He needs to improve his perimeter shooting. I think that's like his next step. Is like, if he becomes like a knockdown jump shooter, it, I mean, it's he's going to be like a twenty and fifteen. I mean, he's a monster already. I think he has ability. You know, I don't. You know, I don't know how tall he is. You know, Jokic is so big. You know what I mean? That like he's seven foot with those same skills that he has, and even more because he could pass, but." And so can Sangu, but not like Jokic. But uh, I don't know. You know, All-Star is so hard, man. Like, there's so many good players in the Western Conference that don't make the All-Star game. Who knows? I don't know. DeJounte Murray made the All-Star game, you know, last year. And he's a really good player, but no one thought he was going to make the All-Star game. Like, you just don't know. But, oh, yeah. If I, you
1: Googled, whenever you're bored, uh, the list of one-time All-Stars, uh, shout out to Jamal McGlure, uh, guys like that. Uh, I'm not saying DeJounte Murray is going to be, you know, a one-time All-Star, but you'd be pretty shocked... Uh, At the list of one-time All Stars.
2: Yeah, that's 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 what I'm saying. Like some guys, you you know. So who am I to say he can't? But his skill level and his scoring level, yeah, he could. He could make an All Star game. Yeah, he's really good. Should they be playing through him? Probably. Um, But I do think it's very important that they continue to roll that ball out for Jalen Green and just continue let him make mistakes, let him have his good games, his bad games, let him learn because he's very talented, man. Like, dude, they threw an alley oop to him. Is Whole chest was above the rim, and he caught it with one hand. He's got a pretty looking jump shot. He's got a good handle. He's just got to learn how to play the game. You know what I mean? Like it's, that comes with just experience and time. Like he'll get it. You know what I mean? Like I, I think Jalen and him are like the two guys that they got to continue to play through.
1: Speaking of you know young players with a lot of expectation, uh, Bronny. Every time I look at Instagram, it looks like there's another you know high school highlight of his. I know he had senior night last night. Uh, you were in a similar situation. Yeah, yeah. A famous father. You were a number one player in the nation, actually. You you had a lot of attention on you. Who mixtape followed you everywhere you went. What advice would you give someone in that situation now that you kind of wish you had back then?
2: Um, I would say first and foremost, uh, you know, enjoy these moments. Um, in high school, it's fun. You know what I mean. And not college is fun, and the NBA is fun, but it's just different, man. In high school, you're playing with your friends. you, You know, it's just there's it's so much purity to basketball uh at that level. And I think for him and his name and what he's about to get get into, he's already getting the NI deals and all the all you know, all these deals and money he's about to get when he probably goes to college or whatever route he chooses to take. It's just gonna become a lot for him. And uh that would be my first thing is just enjoy this because he's handled it so well. His parents, both parents of Anna and and, uh, and LeBron have done an amazing job raising their kids, considering how much attention they all get none of them get in trouble. Uh, their parents don't get in trouble. They kind of stay clear. Uh, no one's perfect for that matter, but, you know, they're kids, man. And I think Bronny's done an amazing job handling the level of expectation and pressure that's been put on him. He's done a fantastic job. Uh, and mind you, he's done it while living in Los Angeles, probably one of the worst places to raise a teenage kid uh, with the last name James. I mean, I mean, like, it, they've been able to do it. You know what I mean? They They stay clean. They stay clear you know uh kids got nothing but better every year it looks like you You compare like Bronny's sophomore year to now he's like two different players uh is he an nba player i don't know man you know you don't ever know these answers until you get to college there's a lot of top ranked players right now who are going to be worse than Bronny when they get to college you know what i mean like that stuff doesn't mean anything um so that would be my second thing i tell him is just to stay on the pedal bro keep keep developing keep getting better you know don't don't worry about the success and the attention that you're getting right now. It does not mean anything. They'll they'll shoot you down as soon as you're not good enough for them. That's exactly what the media would do. They'll turn on you. People will turn on you. Your fans will turn on you. So don't don't get caught up into that hype or that attention. This is someone from coming from the. I was a number one player, pretty much almost from like sixth grade to my twelfth grade year. I was one of the top players. You know what I mean? The best, how could that, best. And
1: how could that not get into your head? I mean, you were you were playing on ESPN against was it Michael Gilchrist at the time? Yeah. Um. And the next day you had to walk around, you had to go to geometry or whatever. And you yeah, yeah. were just on TV. And I mean,
2: it did it did creep in, man. I, I was a know-it-all at times too. You know what I mean? Like that's that's part of growth, right? Like I, I look back at some of the things I did even as a rookie in New Orleans or like things at Duke. And I'm like, man, like I wish I would have handled that situation better or I wish I would have listened. You know what I mean? Um so that's part of it. But, you know, I think I did a pretty, fair good job. And the reason being is because, like, my goal was never to be a top high school player. My goal was never to be a good college player. I wanted to be in the NBA. I wanted to do exactly what I saw my dad do or what he was around, what he coached. I saw that at age five, six. and I was like, that's what I'm going to be when I grow up. And all the things that come along with that and the process of that is cool. But, like, I do not want to, like, I don't want people looking at me and be like, yo, man, you're a great high school player. I wish you would have made the NBA. Like, hell no, bro. You know what I mean? Like, it's just so much bigger than that, right? So it's like, that was my main focus. I also had a last name that I wanted to get out of. Not the name itself, but I wanted to have a first name to that. I didn't want to just be known as Rivers. I wanted to be known as Austin Rivers. You know, I wanted to make a name for myself. And I'm sure that's what Bronny's wanted to do, which he's done already for himself. You know what I mean? Of course, everybody knows him as LeBron James' son. He'll never escape that. His dad's the most popular athlete in the world. I've never escaped it. My dad's Doc Rivers, not LeBron James. You know, he's a big figure, but LeBron is something in a whole different five levels. You know what I mean? And that'll be something he never escapes. But as long as they have a respect for him, I think that's what's really important. I think he's getting that, you know, I'm and the younger one. And you do that by doing what they're doing now. You stay clean, you stay clear. He doesn't get in any t- trouble. He doesn't say anything. He just keeps playing, keeps letting people poke their opinions about him and you keep moving along. So I really hope the best for him.
1: I like that you said that you are at the point now in your life where you can look back and kind of make fun of, or even like knowledge that some of the things you were doing back then, you know, yeah. weren't, you know, you were maybe embarrassed by them or whatever, but you know, this is maturity now, but I remember <laughs> those hoot mixtape days where, you know, you were saying, I'm going to go off. I'm going to go off right now, which is, I think still to this day, right under John Wall, the best hoot mixtape of all time. Um, you kind of hated it when people brought it up. And now I think you're at a point where you're like, you're, you're, you embrace it. It was part of kind of your journey.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's just how I felt. I felt like I was that dominant in high school that I could, you know, I looked at the camera, like, I'm just going to turn it on right now and just take over the game. That's just how I felt in my confidence. I think that game, I ended up having like 45 too. So like, that's, that's just how I, that's, that's real. You know what I mean? That wasn't like a thing. That's, that's, we're going to get to this in a second because that's, what's changed over the years with this, this me, social media and the hoop mix tapes and everyone gets a tape. Now you get a tape and this kid gets a tape and this guy gets followed. It's, it's really changed basketball and the purity of it. But you know, we'll get into that in a second, but I felt like when I played, it was, you had to, you had to earn that. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I, I, it's, it's, it's awesome that you just said that because Kyle Kuzma earlier this week said he had a quote, kind of the effect of highlight culture, absolutely killed the game of basketball. And I thought of you when he said that, because I know you, you agree with that. I 100% um,
2: agree with it. He's one. by the way, Kyle's 100% right. He's 100% right. It's not even like a, a little bit. He's hundred right. percent. And what do
1: you, what's the negative effect it's had on basketball?
2: The little things in basketball are forgotten now and they're not appreciated. And it's like a trickle effect, even to like the analytics of numbers and stuff. Like certain guys don't get paid what, you know, what they value in basketball, what kids think are cool. I'm gonna try to make this as, as sweet as possible because this, this, this really does bother me. I talk about this all the time. Um, when I played in high school, you only got a mixtape if you were like a top tier guy. Like I'm talking or, like
1: or you were the crime stopper. He wasn't a top guy. Uh, what was no, the but he name? was. But
2: he was <laughs> must see. He was TV. Uh, uh, Akil car. Yeah, there he was. Go. He was. He was. And you know what though? Even though he wasn't like the only reason he wasn't top tier guys because of his height. Right. So people didn't take him serious enough to like recruit him to these high division one schools. But in terms of like going to a game and competing against him, that dude was the real deal. Like Akil was not out there like just putting on mixtapes. Dude was really giving people 40. I saw him go against Wiggins and like, they battled. You know what I mean? And Andrew Wiggins is now obviously who he is. Um, but that's the point though. Back then, like you had to put in work, like consistent work, build a name for yourself to get a mixtape. And it was like an honor to have a Ball is Life mixtape. It was an honor to have a Hoop mixtape. You know what I mean? And like, we didn't play to have one though. I didn't go into a game doing something to be on Hoop mixtape. I went into the game to win and just be myself. And Hoop Mixtape and them were there following me. I didn't ask Hoop Mixtape to come follow me. I didn't pay Hoop Mixtape a dollar. I didn't pay Bala's Life a dollar. They just followed me because I was that guy. They followed Brad Beal because he was that guy. They followed this guy because he was that guy. That's how it was. It is The landscape has changed now. Parents are paying these people to come to games. Everyone gets a Mixtape. Uh, everyone looks at the camera now and taps on their head and they dunk on someone. And it's it's all highlight after highlight after highlight and now only kids watch highlights they don't watch the actual basketball game the purity of the game you know making a hockey pass which means making the right pass even though you're not going to get an assist you're driving to make a play so someone else can make the play to get an assist you know diving on the floor talking on defense uh playing defense at all um shooting good shots, uh, uh, making the game easy, being efficient with basketball and, uh, you know, scoring off one or two dribbles rather than 15 dribbles. This, this, this whole thing, this all, and I'm I only named like 12, there's 50 of them has been forgotten about in basketball. And you're seeing it with some of these guys that come in the NBA. And I can name you names, but I'm not going to that come into the NBA and have all the talent in the world. But, like, they need to be taught basketball because, like, this is what basketball is now. Like, highlight highlight culture has absolutely, yeah, it has. It has killed the game of basketball. It has. And I'm not saying, like, basketball is done. Like, the NBA is amazing. I love watching the NBA. I watch the NBA every night. It's great. But especially more so with youth because the NBA, they, they weed that shit out. The guys who can't figure it out and figure out how to adjust and play the game the right way, they end up not playing or eventually they're out the league. College and high school and this whole social media and everything, yeah, it's just, It's not good for the game. I don't think so. I I agree with Kyle on that one.
1: And one thing that you've always said to me that you've, you know, one thing you've really realized uh, throughout your NBA career is, you know, there's only two guys maybe on a team that kind of get those highlights, do whatever they want with the ball. And everyone else on the court is there to compliment those guys. Yeah. And if you're not one of those top, you know, whatever, let's say 30, 40 guys in in the world, you are on the court to have a role, right? And to yes. impact winning. So that's kind of the problem there is that if you're not, you know, Murray or Jokic, then you're on that court to help those guys win the
2: game. 100%. And that's the issue that you'll see is because it takes time to adjust. It took me time, man. It took me three, four years in the NBA to figure out, okay, I got to be a role player. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to be an all-star here. Maybe one day I can be an all-star, but it'd be a, the only way I'll be an all-star is me being an all-star by being a star in my role. You know what I mean? Like I'd have to just be like crushing my role as a role player. And then, you know, like you see those guys will make an all-star game once or twice. Like that's, that's how I would make it. But being the actual star, you know what I mean? Every, every NBA player is the best player on their team. Every NBA player is the best. Every NBA player is probably the best player on their college team. You know what I mean? Like you're going to have to come to the NBA and, and figure it out. For me, like I said, situation's everything. If I don't get drafted to New Orleans and I get drafted on a different team, who knows? Bro, who knows? Cause I still feel like with my scoring ability and everything I have, have, had, whatever, I could have been this or that, but whatever. I had it, I got drafted to a situation where that was not in my cards, man. And it took me a year, two or three to figure out, wow, okay, I, I'm gonna have to really be a role player. Cause after like two or three years, your time frame is done. You, you have to like move on and like really learn how to fit in the NBA and like be a productive player. And I now at age 30 am becoming the best role player I've ever been. And I'm 30 years old. This is the best I've ever been as a role player right now. And I feel like these next three or four years will be my best years as an NBA player, as a pro. And that's just now happening, bro. Like It is, it is hard. It's, it's an adjustment.
1: I, uh, I love what you're saying right now. You're making a lot of great points. I'm going to give you a little quick breather, and we'll be right back after this quick break.
0: This episode is brought to you by
1: Arby's. It's 3 p.m.,
0: and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps from Arby's come in available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Arby's two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation
1: just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20 for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. So Austin, you mentioned that you watch basketball every night. The Ringer just updated their top 100 list for NBA players and their league pass rankings. I know you have league pass. I know you watch every night. They have... uh, I'm going to go through these really quick. Tell me if you agree. I know you have your own league pass, guys. You probably watch your teams. They have John Morant, one. We have Giannis, two. We have Luka, three. We have Jokic, four. Shea, five. Darius Garland, six. Lamelo seven. Halliburton, eight. Bol Bol, nine. Who's we've mentioned before earlier in this pod? This list is ridiculous. And and Joel Embiid 10. Do you agree, disagree? Maybe you want do you want to throw in some players or league pass teams is, is, that you is, love watching? Is Tatum not on there? He's not on the league pass top 10 now.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, I mean Tatum would be on there. Is Kevin Durant on there?
1: He is not on this top 10 list.
2: Is Kyrie Irving on there?
1: No. So well, the, yeah. the Nets aren't on there. Just forget, it. the Nets yeah, the, aren't on yeah, the The Nets team. aren't on
2: there. <laughs> Celtics aren't on there. Jalen Brown. I don't know, man. I, I'd much rather watch Jason Tatum than almost every person on that list.
1: So, okay. Is there a I'd team that watch. you are – it's almost like a guilty pleasure. You're like like the team that you when they're on, you like watching them. Well, Tatum's
2: but. at 14. Yeah, it's, it's there's not 13 guys in the league better than Jason Tatum, but that's here, no there. Uh, oh, it's not I, no it's not better. This is League No, pass I know watch. this is who I would like to watch. He's a fun okay. guy to watch play. I I I I agree with the um John Morant number 1. There's he has a highlight every game that leaves you like jaw dropped. You know what it's I mean? It's
1: totally like, like 2010, 2011. It's Derrick Rose. 2011 Derrick Rose, Rose. You, 2011, must, Derrick Rose see. Season. It's must see TV. Must see TV. Every night it's a new dunk something we've never seen before. I, I totally agree I, with that.
2: I like I like I like that. Um Joel Embiid's fun to watch what he's done over the past couple of years. Um a lot of this is preference. You know what I mean? Like, Jokic is by far top two or three best players in the NBA, right? That's, like, unanimous at this point. He's about to possibly win a three-time MVP. Is he the most fun to watch on league pass? That's a
1: different thing. I. So you're saying he's not as fun to watch?
2: No, no, no. I'm not saying he's not fun to watch. I like watching... If you know basketball and you appreciate it, I like watching... I play to the Jokic. I mean, I, I definitely like watching him play. But, like, him... In, in jar like two different types of basketball watching you know what i mean like i'm a scorer defender whatever i like watching guys who like i like watching guards you know what i mean I, i'm not gonna watch a center the only reason i even said joe is because he plays like a guard but I, I that's why i said tatum kyrie irving is the the most fun player to watch in in basketball when he's healthy
1: in history the, or
2: probably <laughs> He is one of the most entertaining guys. He just has the prettiest game in my way, man. He has the prettiest game of basketball. I remember
1: one time, it was during COVID. It was kind of we were kind of in a lockdown situation. You and me were, we just, you popped in a, a Kyrie off YouTube, like a Kyrie Irving highlight tape. It might've been from a random season, offensive highlights. And we watched for like 20 minutes. And you were like, this is just like, who's doing this?
2: If you go watch his like Cavs highlight, just YouTube Kyrie Irving Cavs highlights. And they have montage of his like handle highlight. There's not a better montage of video clips that you'll ever see a player do in terms of just like under the rim basketball. I'm not talking about guys who like drive and dunk on a whole bunch of people. Like obviously like you can look at Kobe highlights and Jordan highlights and see them do it. I'm talking about just skill for skill. As a guard, Kyrie is just like, it's just elite, man. Watching him and Steph and, and Damian Lillard, probably those three in terms of like just elite scoring over these years, those, are, those would be the three most fun guys I like watching. I like watching Damian Lillard play, Kyrie Irving, and steph curry are the three most entertaining guards that i personally would like to watch
1: yeah all right so recently um a lot of people have been down on evan mobley's uh play i think it's kind of been a lackluster you know sophomore campaign i know kendrick perkins too. i think he's i think he does a good job but last night on twitter kind of went in on him being a little bit of a disappointment this year a lot of guys have been really critical how do you feel about that because he's he's 20 years old and he's on a team with a bunch of good, good players like, Players like Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland who could, you know, score 30 or 40 on any given night. Jared yeah. Allen, he's not even the best big on his team right now. So how do you feel about that? Like, it's pretty unfair criticism.
2: Yeah, well, first I'll speak on Perk. Um, it's tough when you're not playing anymore and your job is to critique basketball. You can't always be righteous and like, not righteous, you can't always be fair and accommodating uh, to players' feelings. Even even if you're right or wrong, you have to give your opinion out there. That's literally what Perk does now. He gets paid to give his opinion out there, even if it's harsh. Uh, sometimes it'll be fair. Sometimes it won't. I know a lot of guys hate that. And they're like, I hate when former players do that. And who was Kendrick Perkins as a player? He didn't even do any, you know, blah, blah, blah. But like, bro, that's literally his job is to call it how he sees it, whether he's wrong or right. So I don't take any offense to that. And if you know Perk, you know he's harmless and he's just doing his job. In terms of his critique on Mobley, is it fair? or Scotty Barnes, is it fair to some degree just because there has been a little bit of a drop-off there in performance, but that is due to reason. And that is, you know, like we have, me and you have talked off-camera, bro, about this, and, you know, he's playing with Donovan Mitchell, you know, who's having a big year, but he's a high-volume scorer. You know, Darius Garland is a big year, but he's a high-volume scoring point guard. He plays with Jared Allen, who's an all-star. Karis Levert. Yeah, the list goes on they get they got a lot of guys in there that are scoring the ball you know Rubio's back now which I think actually will help because he's such a great passer he'll probably help Mobley a little bit more
1: I thought Rubio had a great year last year until he got hurt him and Kevin yeah, Love off the bench yeah that huge. old Minnesota thing that Both, yeah, chemistry yeah. they had they, they, they were great last year off the bench until he got what, hurt.
2: What, what what Kevin Love and Rubio has done for Cleveland is like goals for what I myself and like Kyle Anderson what we're trying to do here in Minnesota in terms of like not only helping the young guys play, but actually playing too. like Help them on the court by being a great player and also help them be the best player. You know what I mean? And that's what they've done there. I think they've done a fantastic job. Shout out to to Rubio and K-Love. And Kobe, uh, the GM, putting that together. But in terms of Mobley, uh, how old is he? Uh, He's got to be 20 years old. (laughs) Right. Do you know how ridiculous this is that we're like critiquing these guys? These guys are eight years away from being in their
1: prime. Eight! As in, like eight years ago, they were twelve. It, it's insane. Imagine if Mobley was on, you know, the Magic or a team where he could he, he could get into maybe he could really like develop man, his offensive toolbox, probably. if you will, and learn how to do all these things and get those twenty points. You know, Mobley, Mobley is night. a
2: stud. Yeah. Uh. 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 Scotty Barnes is a stud. Both of them got game. Both of them can play. Both of them had huge rookie years. I don't know if speaking of which, Donovan Mitchell, right? Had a monster rookie year. And then came back and had a good sophomore campaign, but it wasn't like his rookie one. Cause there's there's a little bit of expectation there, there's a little bit of pressure there. So what he did is he learned how to deal with it and he got better and he came back his third year and was even better again. You know what I mean? Like that's exactly what's gonna happen to Scotty Barnes. It's exactly what's gonna happen with Mobley. These guys are only gonna get better. Like I said, man, it's it's really ridiculous. And again, I, I totally understand why K. Perk did it. It's his job. Well, but he's not too- the only one, by the way. A lot of guys
1: yeah, dude, yeah, are, yeah, A lot are of critical people are on Mobley. Yeah, they, they, wanted, exactly. they wanted a big jump. How could he have a big jump also adding a guy like Donovan Mitchell who's obviously in his prime right now having, you know, the year he's having where we're talking about him being maybe the best shooting guard in the NBA. How do you also expect Evan Mobley to have a big offensive jump? We should actually be praising him for his willingness to play the role that he's in right now yeah, of, exactly. in fact winning.
2: It, what, what, yeah, what you're seeing from him is that he's accommodating and that he's willing to do whatever the coaches and players and his teammates are asking him to do to fit in. Like, that's why Cleveland's been so successful. I mean, if he had an ego about himself, like, I was, you know, rookie of the year or one of the rookies or one of the guys, this, this, this. And I think who won last year? Scotty Barnes won rookie of the year. Scotty Barnes
1: won it, yeah. But Mobley but Mo- 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 missed time, yeah. Mo- yeah.
2: Mobley was in the race nonetheless, and he was up for it if he didn't get hurt. Um, you know, he could have an ego about himself and go about things the wrong way, and he's not. I Man, he's going about everything the right way. Scotty Barnes is on a team that's still really trying to figure themselves out. You know what I mean? They've For obviously sure. changed since Kawhi left. They've still been trying to figure out, you know, are we playing through Pascal? Are we playing through this guy? Is Fred Van Fleet going to be our guy? Like, you know what I mean? He's yeah. he's in the mix. Um, these dudes are 20 years old, 21 years old, man. I say this about Anthony Edwards all the time, as good as he is. He's like six years away from being his best self. Like when he's like 27, 28, that's when they're going to be their best. That's when like their peak athleticism, but now the mental side has started to come together. And they're going to really perform that's like when kobe was his best right kobe was really great as eight and he was great as 24 but like right there in the middle those like mid-years kobe was like, your your favorite, your favorite kobe is the the kobe 81 kobe oh seven, oh eight, oh six, oh five. 7 08 06 05 kobe was kobe was was in terms of basketball he was god with the basketball he was incredible he was he was he was couldn't guard him you know what i mean that's yeah again that's that peak age i played with james harden same thing when james was in houston 27 28 he was unstoppable you know what i mean like that's that's the best time and these guys are six seven years away from that bro that's so much time do you know where i was at six years ago or like where this guy was at six years ago six seven years ago these guys were in middle school right you know what i mean like so much can happen these guys are only gonna get better so i understand it's it's fair game to, to, to critique that's their job it's a high-pressure sport the media is going to talk their shit but like, yeah, that's ridiculous in terms of like, Scotty Barnes is this, this, this. And he's not performing. Like, bro, these dudes are going to be studs. They're big time players. That's my take on that.
1: Yeah, and Zach Lowe had a great, uh, he said something great the other day on a pod. He said, it is the same way you're celebrating Laurie Markkinen this year, for example, right, and how right. you can't give up on these, you know, one and done guys, a young player, takes the right team, right fit to really reach their potential. At the same time, you could say that, how could you also give up on a 20-year-old? You know what I mean? Like 100%. And, and, that. and that reminds me also of Andrew Wiggins, who a lot of people wrote off and him in his Minnesota days and now last year he was with the second best player on a championship team, right team, right fit. And a lot of people could have gave up on him. They, they sold their Andrew Wiggins stock. A million people did. And now 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 Andrew Wiggins is a valuable player on a championship level team or a championship team. So it's all about 100%. fit. 100%. Right. 100%. So, I, it, it's nuts to even give up or even critique a guy in his halfway through his second year in the NBA. Yeah, right. It's just too early, Halfway through it, yeah.
2: It's just too early. It's just too early.
1: All right, we don't have a lot of time left. Uh, I wanted to finish it with sort of a rapid-fire true or false segment. Uh, I'm going to name kind of a statement and you tell me true or false and maybe give you a reason why. I'm game. All right, here we go. I'm going to kick it off with AD and LeBron, when healthy, are still the best duo in the NBA. Ooh. uh, I'm going to go false. Okay, who is
2: it? I like. I like, I like Tatum Brown, for the what, the
1: the, the two way. W- yeah, w- what's the reason there? Yeah. yeah,
2: I just think they've 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 done it the past two or three years. They've just been so elite scoring. They've been efficient scoring, and they both have turned. Tatum went from being a non defender to being an actually pretty damn good defender. That Jalen's always been that, but Tatum's actually even took on that challenge, especially in the fourth quarter. Uh I like I like I think they're just the most consistent. That's why. They have to be. I don't even like the win healthy. They've just been the best duo. I'm giving them the crown.
1: All right. The next one I have is out of Wally Zerbiak's playbook. We have Jalen Brunson is better than Tyrese Halliburton. They played last night. I don't know if Halliburton's healthy, but uh, Brunson, he, he had the better of him a little bit that game. Definitely offensively. I can't.
2: Um, I'm going to say false. And I, okay. I, I, it's not that Tyrese is better. They're just two different players, man. Like Jalen's more of a score hungry player, and Tyrese scores, but he's more of a past first guy you know it's like comparing jason kidd to, to alan iverson like who's better like I, I don't know they both do different things you know what i mean like they're both great I, i'm a big jalen brunson fan for him to be dominating at the nba with the athleticism he doesn't have and at the height he doesn't have tells you how nasty he is his footwork and craftiness is probably top tier in the nba he's probably like top two or three in terms of craftiness. tyrese is probably every gm's like Wet dream of a starting point guard. I mean, just a that's throwback
1: a, guard that you know. That's now a, it's all about scoring, right? For guards, if you, like John if, any, if, and the,
2: if you asked any GM or president who you could start a franchise with as a point guard right now, his name would probably be at the top of that list. It, it'd be one of the top three. I'm not even kidding. He'd be one or two or three. I'm not. He'd be up there.
1: And I thought his shooting would be an issue and because of his form or, you know, whatever the case may be, but he, you know, he's a forty percent shooter from three.
2: No issues with him on the court, off the court. His teammates love him. He's professional, he's likable, he's marketable. He plays the game the right way. The extra pass, his shot doesn't look like what people want it to do, but it goes in. He's quick, he's athletic, he's like he's he's like a better version of almost Lonzo. You know what I mean? And Lonzo's a great point guard. Uh, but Tyrese is like a better version of that. Like Tyrese is top tier, man. You know what I mean? Like, I, he, I, I would put him at the top
1: of that list. All right, next question, or, you know, let's say statement. Shea is already better than the guy he got traded for, Paul George. I mean, right now he is.
2: It's tough because Paul hasn't been healthy. Paul healthy is a, is a monster, man. You know what I mean? Like, Paul George is really good. Um, but if we're going as of right now, in the moment, yeah, Shay's like, what Shea's done this season is crazy, man. Like, he should be an all-star uh probably will be so i don't know what their team record so that might play against them but yeah i I would go with shays better right now only just because paul hasn't been healthy
1: that's fair uh next one uh this will be the last one donovan mitchell is the best shooting guard in the nba right now Uh, i know it's a little uh, unfair uh d book has been hurt what is what is tatum tatum is a small forward i mean jalen brown tatum these guys interchangeable forwards i would say right I know Brown, for the all-star purposes, is, a, is in the guard small spot. Small forward. He's a small oh, forward, though, right? Well, so is Tatum, right? Spot. Oh, Tatum's in the forward spot, huh? Well, yeah. If you're, if you're if you're looking at their lineup, like in the finals last year, it was Marcus Smart, okay, Brown, well, if Tatum, Tatum. If Tatum.
2: If Tatum's a guard, if Tatum's a shooting guard, he's the best shooting guard in the NBA.
1: No, no. He's small forward. He's okay.
2: a forward. Is Donovan Mitchell the best? Uh, I would no. say
1: his own the competition would be Devin Booker. Who it's unfair. He's been he's been hurt, but he started off the year really strong.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna go no on that. Do, I don't think Donovan Mitchell's the best shooting guard in the NBA. He's definitely up there. Um, his this year he's been incredible for Cleveland. though uh, you got to give him his 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 flowers. But if we're talking just pure shooting guard, I'd have to put Devin. I, I think Devin is the best shooting guard in the NBA.
1: Uh, you're actually playing Phoenix tomorrow. I, I don't know if you saw, you know, their game against the Warriors the other night. How they're, you know, they're down pretty much their entire lineup and, and beat the Warriors and Steph's return. Um, what do you... Well, oh, actually, Steph wasn't even back for that game yet. Was he? I'm not no. sure. No, he didn't okay. play.
2: Right. He did play. So, Steph did play. Steph played. He played. Okay, he was back. Okay.
1: So, you saw that game. Obviously, they're a scrappy team. They lost last night to Denver on a back-to-back. They're obviously undermanned, but what are your thoughts heading into that game tomorrow?
2: Uh, they're kind of. in a, I mean, they're, they're right now. They're just trying to get wins, however they can. Phoenix. They're in the same spot as we are. They got their star out, stars, whatever. Uh, we don't have Carl, and a bunch of guys have been sick, whatever. We're just trying to figure out ways to get wins every night, man. Just get wins that way. When this season comes down and there's ten games left, we're in that race. You know what I mean? Like that's what it's about right now. All star breaks right around the corner. Like we're just trying to dug it out, get wins. Whoever's available that night, figure it out. Let's go play. You saw them do that the other night versus Phoenix, I mean, versus uh, Golden State. The tricky thing with these teams is when the star is out, they usually play harder, and the ball usually moves more. There's a lot more ball moving. I think
1: that's when coaching comes in, right? That's when you can really start coaching, yeah.
2: Coaching, yeah, because otherwise it's just so tactical and so like, you know, when the stars are out there, the plays are for them, they get the ball, you just you kind of just sit back and let them do their thing. Where as of now, you know, um, this is, you know, a chance for you to really get in there and coach a little bit. So uh, that's what you'll see tomorrow night. You're going to see two teams kind of battling it out with a lot of good pros. Uh, stars, you know, they'll, we'll still have some. I don't know if CP's playing or if he's back or not. Obviously, I know Devin's out and uh, Aiton might be out. and They have a lot of guys out, actually. So for us, it's an effort thing. We're bouncing back off a bad loss versus Detroit. So um, the energy is going to be there for us. So that's where we're at.
1: Well, Austin, uh, I know you have a game tomorrow. I don't want to hold you up too long. Good luck against Phoenix. Looking forward to chatting with you next week.
2: My guy, this is going to be entertaining. Love talking to you. Let's keep this thing going, building. And I hope the people love what we have to say. Uh, This is going to be fun, bro. Appreciate you.